Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you that these online resources are never meant to be a substitute for God's good plan for you to be present, connected, and serving in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you live in the West Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we encourage you to come check out one of our Sunday services. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's word, we pray that His Spirit would use this sermon powerfully in your life. In our present day, it feels like peace is that priceless treasure locked away in some faraway vault. From stresses around economic recessions and political unrest to the daily burden of burnout from work of overwhelming job requirements. It feels like this life has no shortage of reasons to feel worried, stressed, and anxious. And all the while, peace is in high demand, but in low supply. And yet for us as Christians, peace is not inaccessible. God, in fact, has given us his very own peace. And each and every one of God's children is capable of experiencing his peace. The vault can be opened, but only with the correct key. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we're going to find out that the key to peace is prayer. In God's word today, we will see that the path to peace is prayer. Philippians 4 will make it abundantly clear that you and I as believers can experience God's supernatural peace when we pray. So please, if you're not already there, turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Now at this point in Paul's life and ministry, he's in prison for the sake of the gospel. He's in Rome under house arrest. And at a certain point, he receives this generous financial gift hand-delivered from the Philippian church to Paul by one of his gospel co-workers, Epaphroditus. Paul, in response to this generous financial gift, pens this thank you letter, the book of Philippians, back to the Philippian church, the church in Philippi. Now, this church was a church that was growing in God, that loved the Lord, that was sound in doctrine, had no sin scandals, and was faithfully enduring persecution. As a result, the thrust, the main instruction that Paul gives in the book of Philippians is that the believers are to live together in unity and to serve one another like Jesus Christ. Now, in the final chapter of the epistle, Paul gives some scattershot last exhortations leading up to the words we want to study in verses 6 and 7. So look with me at your Bible. Philippians chapter 4, I'll begin reading at verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, 
says this, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are stirring words. As I've already mentioned, if you read Philippians chapter 1, it's clear that the church there was facing substantial opposition for their stand for Christ. By all measures, their situation was not a peaceful one. Likewise, again, back in chapter 1, Paul speaks candidly about his imprisonment, about his suffering as a jailmate for Jesus. He says that he's hopeful for a release, but he's prepared to be executed if that's what awaits him at the end of his prison sentence. Again, not exactly a peace-inspiring situation, is it? And yet, despite Paul and the Philippian church having understandable reasons for possibly feeling stressed and overwhelmed, it's at this point that the Holy Spirit inspires the apostle to pen these words. Do not be anxious about anything. Brothers and sisters, what I want you to see at this point is that not only can we experience peace, but that God actually expects his people to live in a state of peace, not anxiety, regardless of our life circumstances. This introduces us to a mindset necessary for experiencing peace. If prayer is the key to peace, then what we're about to look at is the key chain attached to the key, that lanyard attached to the key of peace. This leads us to our first point, the key chain of peace. Point number one, reject worry as a pattern of life. Reject worry as a pattern of life. Now, it's helpful at this point to keep in mind what Paul means when we read the word anxious in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Here, the original word bears the connotation of a crippling fear, an incessant preoccupation. It's fixating on something to the point of becoming mentally unsettled and physically distressed. That's what Paul is getting at when he says in this verse, do not be anxious about anything. Now, this is different from other instances where Paul uses the same original word, but with a different connotation, one which has at its core a healthy care and awareness for potential problems. This is the sense intended when Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight 28 of his anxiety for all the churches. 
as well as earlier in Philippians chapter 2, verse 28, of speaking of being less anxious. The point in those places is not that Paul is experiencing some sort of nervousness or frantic paranoia about the church or about his situation in Philippians 2. Rather, it's describing a wise care and concern. The reason why I want to elaborate on that is because it's important to realize that there's a difference between giving attention to something and thought to something versus becoming increasingly dominated by it. There's a difference between saying, I keep a rainy day fund to pay unplanned expenses versus saying, I can't sleep at night and my heart races because I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage with rising interest rates. While the first scenario shows a wise and commendable foresight, the second scenario is an example of what it looks like to be gripped with worry. And it's that which our passage prohibits. So understanding all of this, we can begin to realize that what Paul is saying in Philippians 4, 6 isn't new. Rather, he's simply restating what the Lord Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Luke 12, 22. Jesus would go on to explain that believers don't need to be worried about the necessities of life because God will take care of them. God will take care of you. You can read about that in Matthew 6 and Luke 12. So what we're seeing here in Philippians 4 is that Paul is simply expanding the application of what Jesus already taught us. Paul is saying here to the Philippian church, brothers and sisters, not only are you not supposed to be worried about shelter and food and water and clothing, you're not supposed to be worried about anything else in life as well. And Hope Church, the same truth comes down to us today. Saints, do not be anxious about anything. I personally find this so refreshing, so, so encouraging, as opposed to our Western society, which says, all of us are supposed to live with anxiety, even children. It's become so normalized and expected that each of us would bear the weight of anxiousness. What we're finding here, in contrast in the Holy Scriptures, is that God does not desire for his people to continue in perpetual and unremitting stress. That it's neither for our good or to his glory for us to live in a pattern of worry. I think we sometimes forget this. We can be so inundated with the narrative that our society accepts, so bombarded with what they endorse, that we forget that our story is different from theirs because we're followers of Jesus Christ. Our culture says anxiety is simply a matter of circumstance. It's okay for you to be stressed because life is hard. But what we're seeing in our passage 
is that though life is very difficult as it was for Paul in the Philippian church, God's word to his people comes not as a suggestion, but as a command. Do not be anxious about anything. What this means is that the question facing you, Christian, is will you obey the Lord? Will you obey this command from God? Again, our culture would say anxiety is simply a matter of biology. It's a physiological response hardwired into our DNA. So the best we can do is cope with our anxiety. But what we're finding here in our passage and in the rest of the scriptures is that though there are physical manifestations to stress and worry, like high cortisol levels and high blood pressure, Nevertheless, our passage and the scriptures would tell us that being dominated by anxiousness is a matter of faith and unbelief. Jesus says so in his teaching on worry. Luke 12, 28, the Lord Jesus says, But if God so clothes the grass which is alive today, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? This means that whatever else may be happening physically to us, anxiety is a matter of faith and unbelief. And so the question for you today, brothers and sisters, is will you trust the Lord? Will I trust the Lord to take care of me? Will we trust the Lord to take care of us? Now again, I can't stress this enough, that this is good news, great news, in fact, if you will receive it. We're seeing here in God's ancient and time-tested word is that the human experience of anxiety is not a new phenomenon, but a very old one, one that is as old as the fall of Genesis 3 itself. We're finding here that God's people from all times have felt the crushing weight of worry for reasons that are common to all Christians like safety and survival, as well as for reasons unique to a given time and context like saving for retirement and job security. And yet regardless of the contributing factors, God's mandate to us is to reject worry as a pattern of life. Now understand what this means. This isn't to say that you as a believer will never experience an ounce of stress or anxiety, but it is to say that we do not give in to anxiety as an identity, that we do not own it as a pattern of life when it begins to bubble up within us. Just as with any command that the Lord gives us, do not fear, do not covet, do not be sinfully angry. Do not lust. These commands don't suppose that you and I will never experience these crooked desires or reactions, but it is to say that when they rise within us, that we do all through the power of God to resist them. Christian, you are to resist the temptation to be dominated with worry just as you would re resist the temptation to be filled with jealousy, pride, envy, 
bitterness, or impatience. Friends, has this been your mindset? Has this been your mentality? It must become something that you own and desire. No longer excuse being controlled by worry as a bad habit or as a personality flaw. Rather, confess it to the Lord and seek to put it off through his strength. This is the framework, the key chain attached to the key of peace. Reject worry as a pattern of life. Now, as we go on, we'll see how do we actively go about doing this. Look again at your Bible, verses 6 and 7 of Philippians 4. Look at God's word. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This leads us to the key to unlocking God's peace. The key of peace, experience God's peace through prayer. Number two, experience God's peace through prayer. I wonder if you saw that dynamic in verse 6. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That anything, everything dynamic is powerful. It's all-encompassing. It contains all of human experience. Nothing in the world is excluded from that duo of anything and everything. Paul is saying to the Philippian church, nothing in the world is to be allowed to worry you. And everything that can worry you is to be made the subject of prayer. And so it is true for us now, saints of God. Turn every concern into prayer. Let your pressures push you to prayer. Now admittedly, at this point, this seems easy enough to grasp, right? We're to pray instead of feeling anxious. When we feel anxious, we're to pray. And yet it's at this very point where many of us drop the key where we put the key down and forget about it. Oftentimes, the first place you and I turn to when we feel overwhelmed is to Google, is to our doctors, to our fitness routine, to our diet, to our self-help regimen, to our self-improvement books, and the list goes on and on. And we do this all in an effort to cope and manage our anxiety levels. Now, brothers and sisters, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with appropriately utilizing the means of common grace to organize our lives and to keep our bodies healthy. Common grace meaning those good things which God makes available to the benefit of all people, whether or not they are Christians. But friends, never forget that the means of common grace are limited in what they can accomplish. There's a ceiling 
to the good that they're capable of producing in your life. There's only so much that an afternoon hike, mindfulness exercises, and essential oils can do in helping you cope with anxiety. These things are a help rather than a solution in themselves. They're more like Tylenol and less like open heart surgery. In contrast to the means of common grace are the means of special grace, the means of supernatural grace, of spiritual grace. These means are uniquely prescribed by God through his word and are solely to the benefit of Christians. These means of supernatural spiritual grace are the means by which God the Holy Spirit empowers and encourages the Christ follower to live a spirit-filled life. And prayer is one of these means. Again, I want to be clear, the things of common grace are good. They're just not good enough by themselves. They're incomplete in what they can do by themselves. Saints of God, we need the supernatural grace of God. We need the supernatural peace of God if we are to overcome worry, anxiousness, and fear. And the way we access this peace from God is through prayer. If you're still convinced that prayer is the path to peace, that prayer is the key to peace, then look no further than to the example of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he is, facing the most stressful situation of life, preparing to die for the sake of sinners, for the sins of the world. There he is in anguish of soul, in distress, carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And how does the Lord respond to that moment of weight? What does he do? He prays. Three times he prays to the Lord. And in response to his pleas, Luke 22, verse 43 says that an angel came and strengthened him. The Lord Jesus himself obtained grace from God through prayer. Brothers and sisters, how do you respond to stress? How do you respond to worry? Jesus' response was to pray. This likewise must be our response to seek the Lord in prayer. As you know, prayer is simply speaking to God. It's where we as creation come to our creator expressing our heart of worship, repentance, gratitude, and need. Our passage here in verse 6 uses that prayer and supplication. You can look at it in your Bible. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. That double usage is meant to emphasize that single point found in the latter half of Philippians 4, 6. Let your requests be made known to God. What Paul is getting at to the Philippian church is that you are to go to God with your needs. Tell him what you need. Tell the almighty supplier what you lack, what it is that is causing you grief. And you're to do that with thanksgiving, with an attitude of gratitude. 
So that means we could summarize the way that we are supposed to pray in the face of stress and worry is with grateful petitions. We're to offer grateful petitions to the Lord when we begin to feel anxiety, stress, worry, fear. So church, whether you've lost your iPhone or you lost your job, the way to respond to stressors is to ask God for help with a thankful heart, to make grateful petitions to the Lord. Now, side note, if you lose your phone, and maybe it's like the weekend and you don't have anything urgent coming up, maybe just leave it alone. Maybe just say, you know what? I'm going to leave that, and I'll see when it pops up. Maybe just some food for thought. Maybe just leave that phone alone if you lose it for a few hours. Our passage makes it clear that when we pray to the Lord, he'll grant us his peace. And how God will respond to those prayers is up to him. Whether or not he delivers us totally or partially or not at all in this lifetime is all according to his sovereign will. But brothers and sisters, the promise of this passage is that no matter what God intends for the trial he has you in, he is willing and he has promised to give you his peace if you will seek him in prayer. Saints of God, we're to pray to the Lord because he is our God. He is our Father. He will take care of us. He's the God who has promised to deliver us or to give us grace to suffer well. He's the God who is able to split the Red Sea as well as the God who is able to strengthen you to remain in the fiery furnace. This is why we're to pray, because you have a Father in heaven who cares for you. You may wonder, how is it that you can pray with thanksgiving when you're in the middle of a terrible circumstance, when you're facing such horrible hardship, where anxiety and fear continue to creep in on you? Or you're able to pray with thanksgiving, with gratitude, when you meditate upon who God is, on what he has done, and on what he has promised. Remember, your trials are not meant to destroy you, they're meant to refine you. Just as it was for Job and Joseph, God purposes to bring about good even through evil and upsetting circumstances. People of God, remember, the cross is the standard of God's love for you and care for you, not whether or not he allows you to face worrisome situations. When these truths fill your mind, you'll find that you have every reason to pray with thankfulness and gratitude to the Lord. You'll be able to say, God, I've been waiting months now on my permanent residence to be processed but I thank you that you're testing my patience now. While all the while still praying, Lord, allow it to be processed successfully, quickly. You'll be able to pray with thanksgiving saying, Lord, my mother is facing early onset dementia. Thank you that whatever may happen to her mind, you will never forget her. While all the while still praying, Lord, give me strength to, to suffer well in the midst of this hardship. Saints, prayer is the path to peace. 
It is the key that unlocks the vault. Now look with me finally at verse 7 and see what this piece looks like. Philippians 4 verse 7 says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The result of this grateful petition prayer is that we'll obtain calm, tranquility, peace. But notice the attributes of this peace. They're nothing short of supernatural. And when rightly understood, they become the great motivators for us to pursue the Lord in prayer in the face of mounting anxiety. Look again, verse 7. And the peace of God. See what this peace is. It is a divine peace. Heavenly in its source and nature. This peace is the perfect peace which God himself perpetually experiences. And it's this peace that he hands out to the praying Christian. A divine peace. Again, look at your Bible. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, this is a transcendent peace. It exceeds human comprehension and supersedes human wisdom. Whereas our world understands only a peace that is dependent on favorable circumstances, I can only be at peace if my life is dandy. The peace being described here is independent of, pre of present experiences or human outlook. It is a peace that can exist in any and every environment. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says this, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. A peace from God at all times in every way. Saints of God, memorize that verse. Keep that close to you at all times, in every way. This is the peace that God gives to the people who seek him in prayer. Brothers and sisters, won't you pray? Won't you pray in response to the stressors of, you, of your life? Again, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a protective peace. It's a peace that will keep your heart and mind from worry the same way a bodyguard defends a VIP client from an attacker. The reference to the heart and mind in this verse is a representation of a person's deepest self. Paul is saying that at the very core of who you are, at the level of your soul, you can be safe and secure from chaos and raving thoughts of what if. And the reason why this peace is capable of this kind of security is because it's a peace that comes from being connected to Jesus. Jesus, who himself is the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, will guard your hearts and minds in 
Christ Jesus. This is a Christ-rooted peace. It is a peace that is exclusively reserved for those who already have peace with God as a result of believing in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. To be in Christ is to be one who has been joined to Jesus and his blessings by believing in him and his cross work. It is the person who is in Christ who can experience this soul-defending peace. And this explains what I mentioned earlier on, that the means of special grace, of spiritual grace, are only to the benefit of followers of Jesus. If you're here today, you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only thing you're taking from this message is that I can add a bit of prayer to my life as a means of coping and managing my stress. I want you to know that no matter how much you pray, you will never experience the supernatural peace described in these two verses. The reason being is because you cannot experience the peace of God until you have peace with God. The scriptures are clear. Isaiah 48, verse 22, there is no peace for the wicked. God's word tells us, tells you that your disregard for God, the fact that you've chosen to live apart from God however you please, is actually a declaration of war against your creator. That because of your sin, you have made yourself an enemy of the Almighty. And there's coming a day when God himself will return and destroy every rebel. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that this God of justice and holiness is likewise a God of love. And that he has sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to live a holy and perfect life on our behalf and to suffer the justice that we deserve by dying on the cross. Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day so that every rebel sinner who would pledge their allegiance to him in faith can be saved. God's terms of peace is that you confess and turn away from your defiant life and turn to Jesus. If you do this, you'll no longer be at war with your creator, but you'll have peace with God and you'll be able to experience the peace of God through prayer. Hope Church, this supernatural peace, which cannot be found anywhere else, is what God offers to us today. We know what's inside of the vault, and we have the key. Therefore, I urge you, resolve that you will not stop praying until you experience God's peace, until his peace becomes your reality. Resolve that you will be unrelenting in seeking the face of God in no matter what your stressful circumstance may be. Determine that you will pray as though God is your only hope of lasting supernatural peace because according to these verses, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he 
is your only hope. The words from that old-time hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, summarize this passage so well. Let me read the first two verses of the song for you. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Brothers and sisters, take it to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is the path to peace. Let's pray now. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you do not leave us without guidance in this life. But again, you bring us back to yourself through the scriptures and you tell us you are the answer to every worry and stress we will face and are facing right now. And that the way we experience your peace is by praying to you. Oh God, help us to do this by your spirit. All of this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.